Events are moving more quickly than ever, a situation to be expected as the world hurtles out of control toward World War III and the Great Tribulation. While most of the Western nation's citizens wrestle with their everyday lives, they do not see the trouble that is coming. If only they could be made to look up from their situations so they might escape these things by fleeing into the wilderness. I ask the question, will Jordan bear the brunt of Trump's agenda? Trump's destructiveness could destroy Jordan in his grab for power and oil, Israel's spoil, Last week, I said that if Trump wants Jordan's cooperation with his coming peace deal, the U.S. will have to belly up to that bar and provide funds for Jordan. The day after I posted my report, J-Post reported that Trump plans to provide funds to Jordan and to Egypt for his upcoming peace deal. But it comes with a heavy price tag. Let's see what that price tag is. The article starts, Donald Trump will push for Jordan to grant citizenship to one million Palestinian refugees as part of his deal of the century. Trump will also ask Egypt to grant citizenship to Palestinian refugees, granting Palestinian refugees a citizenship status in other countries may be a way for Trump to avoid establishing a Palestinian state. The report hints that a confederation of three states may be an option where there could be a joint government between Israel, Jordan, and the Palestinian Authority for specific and limited purposes. Jordanian King Abdullah expressed opposition to the establishment of a joint confederation the three-state solution just mentioned earlier, and told Egyptian leaders that he prefers Jordan to remain in charge of the holy sites in Jerusalem without interfering in the details between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Jordan and Egypt will receive $110 billion in economic aid. It is not clear yet where this reported aid will come from. Jordan would receive $45 billion and the remainder would go to Egypt. The absorption would happen in stages where the largest number of refugees that Jordan would have to take in at one time would be 300,000. Palestinians from Gaza who are currently in Jordan will be included in this deal. Part of the deal would also include giving Jordanian land, Naharaim, and so far to Israel. These enclaves are currently leased to Israel by Jordan, but are officially Jordanian land. And these are the land leases that Jordan refused to lease to Israel again last November. In return, Jordan would receive land from Saudi Arabia. The reason this peace deal calls for security arrangements, as I mentioned last week, will require cooperation between Israel and the U.S. in the West Bank. What I read to you is the reason why there will need to be security arrangements. Pushing the Palestinians out of their homes in the West Bank will cause a war to break out there. 
U.S. troops acting as the scriptural gog of Ezekiel 38 will position itself in the West Bank, the mountains of Israel, as a security force. Gog, the president of the USA, is now in charge of the spoil oil in Golan. In return, Trump is giving Golan to the Jews to the tune of 100,000 Jewish migrants to settle there, which will push the Druze out of Golan. And he plans to give the West Bank to the Jews as well. Well, the world will rise up against this. Iran and Russia, the Shiite 4 plus 1 coalition, also known as the King of the North, Daniel 11:40-45, will not see this favorably. Many of the Arab states will not either, but Trump will buy them off with various bribes, promises of money, land swaps, and other favors for their continued support of his and Israel's new policies. But the worst part of this will be Yahweh's reaction. The state of Israel has defied Yahweh's specific instructions for the Jubilee years. This will be one of the reasons for the state of Israel's destruction in the end of days. There will be a modern repeat exile for the house of Judah Jews because of the Jubilee and Shemitah year violations just as there were in Chronicles 36:20-21, 2 Kings 19:29, Jeremiah 34 verses 8 to 10 and elsewhere in scripture. This is the reason they were sent into Babylonian exile. In the years 2016 to 2018, the state of Israel celebrated a Jewish jubilee. The problem is that biblical Israel is not only Jewish, house of Judah. The state of Israel is not biblical Israel either. Biblical Israel also belongs to the house of Israel which was restored by Yeshua but who the Jews deny part of the Abrahamic covenant even though the spiritually reborn swear fealty to the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob our father. They deny us because they deny that Yeshua came to restore us to his covenant with us through Abraham. They deny him because they don't want us back in the covenant. To that end and because their Talmud supersedes the plain and simple instructions of the Torah, the Jews are not willing to follow the Torah's edicts regarding the Jubilee which provides for the complete restoration of all tribes in the land. The house of Judah Jews are planning to confiscate all of Yahweh's land for themselves without restoring all of Yahweh's people and in doing so they will bring destruction on the political UN created state of Israel. Now that is as it must be since the state of Israel is not biblical Israel thus Trump and Netanyahu continue on this path that will set up the Gog Magog war and the attack by the king of the north Iran 
Politicians and news pundits view this situation as diplomatic in nature without understanding the causes. Scripture, however, shows us the cause of the events which go back 4,000 years. Men and women who do not understand that today's events began thousands of years ago miss the significance of what they see, can't find a solution, and don't know what the outcome will be. It is only when we understand how every little situation from way back then affects us today that we can understand what is happening, know what the solution will be and the outcome of it all. This in itself will help us get through this ordeal without all the stress and anxiety. The fact of the matter is that Yahweh's land of Israel does not belong to any of us. It is our inheritance, yes, but the land belongs to the Father. We get to live on the land and have our piece of it, of it but it is and always will be His. No tribe or group of tribes, such as the house of Judah Jews, is permitted to make decisions about the land other than the decisions that were made before the foundation of the earth was laid and the lamb slain, according to Revelation 13.8 and Ephesians 1.5, for our coming sins against Yahweh. Why does the land not belong to us to carve up any way we see fit. It is because the one who has given it to us is still alive and will remain alive eternally. It is only after the death of a man that his children take possession of the inheritance that he left them. Their inheritance is theirs even while he is still alive, but it is only at his death that they gain full control of the inheritance. The Jews and Americans led by Benjamin Netanyahu and Donald Trump each have their own agenda. Each wants to do something different with Yahweh's real estate. But each will suffer for their theft of Yahweh's land. They will suffer together even though their agendas and desires for Yahweh's land are different. The Jews want a Jewish-only state where no one but Orthodox Jews will reside. The House of Israel, led by the American President Donald Trump, who I strongly believe is the end-time Gog of the land of Magog, wants to regain his ancestor Reuben's firstborn place in Israel and with it to have the double blessing that comes with the firstborn position ruling over the land of the Jewish people and controlling the house of Israel's fossil fuel wealth. The Jews and Americans are fighting over the same territory, but they aren't being honest with each other about their agendas. And they're going to run into trouble with each other, with their Palestinian brethren, and their mutual enemies at the same time. Now let's take a look at Trump's peace plan and the evangelicals. The evangelical base of Trump's election train is running along the Jewish and Trump track 
In this March 9th, 2019 article from Axios.com, we learned that the White House has been engaging with evangelical leaders to reassure them about the plan. On March 7th, 2019, an off-the-record meeting was held between the White House and leading evangelical leaders such as John Hagee, Jenison Franklin, Pastor Paula White, Joel Rosenberg, and others. Evangelicals herald Trump almost as much as the Jews as a type of Messiah. But Trump may cause Christians to bring Yahweh's curse on themselves like Balaam did in Numbers 22. Now let's turn our attention to how Trump may cause Christians to bring the Balaam curse on themselves. First, we need to understand the biblical account of Balaam. What is the Balaam curse? It was Balaam's way of getting the Israelites in the wilderness to bring Yahweh's curse on themselves. Balaam had been unable to curse the Israelites on behalf of King Balak of Moab in Numbers 22. After his utter failure, Balaam told Balak to get the daughters of Moab to mix with the sons of Israel, an act which was specifically prohibited in Yahweh's kingdom instructions of the Torah. In Numbers 25, verse 1, it says, And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. That was the recommendation of Balaam. And they called the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their god. Now they're committing idolatry. Numbers 25.3 And Israel joined himself to Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So this happened because Balaam suggested it to Balak. This also resulted in Phineas. Aaron's grandson who is in line for the high priesthood to kill Zimri and Cosby in the tent of meeting in Numbers 25:14. So Israelites cursed themselves by disobeying their king's express commandments. One of these commandments is that Israelites are not allowed to mess with his land. They cannot take each other's tribal territories. Moving boundary markers. Deuteronomy 19.14 And they are not to make treaties or covenants with other nations. Exodus 34.12 On behalf of Yahweh. And they are not to use his land for bartering. Land swaps. Aside from the fact that Christians understand Israel should not be divided, they are still helping President Donald Trump with his plan. In fact, I have debated with people in recent years over who will divide the land. Would it be Yahweh's own people, the Jews and Christians? Or would Israel's enemies divide the land? Well, I think we may be about to find out. Here is what the article says. Evangelicals are on the front lines helping President Trump craft his plan for peace in the Middle East. We were stunned by that, said Pastor Jack Graham of Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano, Texas. They're so happy to have the political prestige that they are now involved in dividing Yahweh's land. And Pastor Graham was surprised when the White House decided to court faith leaders for input 
on its Israeli-Palestinian peace deal. We talked about it, of course, the sovereignty of Israel that is very important for Christians, Bible-believing Christians, that Israel has a right to exist and Jerusalem as its capital, said Graham. And Graham told that to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, along with the president's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, adding that the security of Israel needs to be in the proposal, making sure that Israel is safe. As long as people keep throwing bombs at Israel, it's going to be difficult to have peace, Graham said. Everybody understands that. But at the same time, we talked about partnerships with Arab countries and governments that could be partners. And economic development will be a part of the plan. Pastor Jentison Franklin of the multi-site free chapel based in Gainesville, Georgia, agrees. He too was in the meeting. There is something that is working. People like Jared Kushner and Jason Greenblatt and others are working, trying to find some middle ground, he said. The middle ground could include a two-state solution. Oh my word. Yahweh's own people. Those who call themselves by his holy name. But who for the last 2,000 year and years and more have been profaning his name. Are now on the front lines of dividing the holy land of Israel. Christians who cooperate with Trump's peace plan will suffer under the Balaam curse. The challenge lies with the Palestinian Authority, which has refused to speak with the White House since President Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Everyone needs to live with hope. Many Palestinian people are living without hope, Reverend Graham said. God cares and loves the Palestinians and so do we in the evangelical community but we cannot allow parts of Israel that serve so greatly to protect and secure the people of Israel to be given away said Franklin really so you would rather throw the Palestinians the Yahweh's physical house of Israel people out of the land Christians don't know they are part of the kingdom too. Somehow, Christian doctrine is so skewed and full of falsehoods that Christians don't even know that they and the rest of the house of Israel are to inherit the land. Christians believe the heaven lie and they leave the land of their inheritance to the Jews. Now, you may be thinking that the Palestinians are not believers and cannot inherit the kingdom. And you would be correct. However, there are commandments for how to treat the gare, the strangers among you, that the Jews do not follow, starting with being kind to them. Spiritually, the Palestinians are gares, strangers, but physically, they are over 60% Hebrew. It is probable that the percentage of Hebrew DNA in the house of Judah, the Jews, isn't much higher. There are no pure physical Hebrews on the earth. 
In fact, from the time of the Exodus, there has been other DNA mixed in with Jacob's children. This is because Yahweh promised Abraham that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. At the end of the age, which is where we are now, Yahweh has not kept his promise if every earthly family doesn't have Hebrew DNA. But how many are Israelites, spiritual Jacob, that has been born again? How many Jews do you think are born again? Yeshua's gospel message is as much for the Jews as everyone else. Almost no Jews anywhere on earth are born again except Messianic Jews, but Messianics are the least sect of Judaism. So, in the political UN-created state of Israel, most of the Jews are not born again either. So why do, do they deserve the land more than the Palestinians? Let's not castigate the Hebrew Palestinians for not being born again. Both houses need to be born again through Yeshua. But before that can happen, the two houses need to stop what they are doing to each other. The Jews need to recognize the right of the physical house of Israel descendants to have their share in the physical land inheritance and the Palestinians need to stop trying to destroy the physical house of Judah. You know, in the time immediately following the Gog-Magog war, Yahweh will pour his spirit on both houses and that is when they will all be born again. But there is a judgment coming for those who reject the Torah and refuse to drop this unholy 2,900 year old civil war. Neither side is right with Yahweh. Neither side is righteous. The Jews would rather disobey the Jubilee of Restoration and push the physical descendants of Israel into Jordan and Egypt so that the four tribes of the house of Judah can have it all. By helping Trump, these Christians are rejecting their own heritage. They're not calling for the tribes to be restored. In essence, they are telling their Elohim they don't want his gift. Well, let me tell you what happens in the worldly world of kings when a king decides to bestow a piece of land to say a favorite person at court if that recipient should say the least negative words about the land parcel or should reject the gift in any way that person would be put out of court at the very least or even be executed for treason against the king this is what happens in the world folks what do you think Yahweh wants to do to the people who call themselves by his name, but they reject his kingdom by rejecting the laws of his kingdom, and they reject his land too? Christians want none of their allotted land inheritance, while the Jews want all of it. Both are in breach of the Torah and are rebellious. And this situation puts Yahweh to shame. 
According to this article, Joel Rosenberg is a personal friend of Mike Pence and Mike Pompeo, and he told the other evangelical leaders that President Abbas would never make a deal. So there is no need to be worried that Jerusalem is going to be sacrificed. And now I want to go down a uh, little uh, rabbi trail here. I go down a little trivial but interesting rabbi trail for a moment. The two mics in the White House are interesting to me for just one reason. Their name. The name Michael means like Elohim or like God. Mikael, Elohim, like El, Mikael. Don't you find it interesting, like me, that these two men are acting like God in the White House? Which God are they being like? Donald Trump, who is usurping our Elohim's authority over Israel? Okay, I just had to throw that in. Now, back to the Raw Story article. Indeed, support from the Palestinians did not seem important to the White House, according to rawstory.com. And Jason Greenblatt, the U.S. envoy and former Trump Organization real estate lawyer, repeatedly slammed the Palestinian Authority following the meeting. Rosenberg also said we need to allow the president freedom of movement and latitude to present a plan that would allow those Arab states which are more willing than ever to make peace with Israel to move forward. We need to give the Arab states the ability to support this. If the Saudis, the Egyptians and others can say that this plan is credible, it will open the door for, after the Palestinians say no, to talk about how to move forward with Israel, Rosenberg reportedly said. Trump has the evangelicals so hoodwinked that they're becoming more and more willing to not only let him do what he wants to Israel, but they are blatantly supporting him in it against the commandment of Scripture. To continue with rawstory.com, one by one, the Trump administration has piled humiliations on the Palestinians, according to Foreign Policy magazine in February. It was at Kushner's urging, according to sources, that Trump announced he was moving the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, thus in one blow deciding an issue that a previous generation of American negotiators had delicately left to final talks. Kushner also pushed for ending the formal U.S. relationship with the Palestinian Liberation Organization, denying a right of return for Palestinians to Israel and defunding Palestinian refugees. The magazine noted Kushner's main goal appears to be breaking the hopes of Palestinians for anything resembling a fully sovereign state of their own, and to force them to settle for economic benefits, according to Middle East experts who have been consulted on the Kushner approach or who have studied it. So far, however, Kushner's efforts have led only to Palestinian outrage and his own embarrassment, especially after the Arab ally he was most successful in cultivating in his efforts to gain recognition of Israel, Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, was implicated in the murder of a Washington Post journalist and became an international pariah.
The Palestinian response has been to refuse to engage with Washington at all, according to foreign policy. It is my belief that Trump always had the intention of removing the Palestinians from Israel. From the start, the administration has said the Trump plan would be different than all the others previously submitted. Trump, though, would have preferred the Palestinians to do just what they are told to pack up and leave their homes. But hey, with or without their cooperation, Trump plans to cast them out of the land and he is happy to do so at the sharp point of the sword. And here's a little interesting tidbit. Ezekiel 38.8 After many days you shall be be visited. In the latter years you shall come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, that's the West Bank, which have always been waste, but it is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell safely, all of them. And now let's go to Ezekiel 39.4 and Ezekiel 39.17, because we're going to talk about those people in the mountains of Israel. And this is still about the Gog-Magog war. It says in Ezekiel 39.4, You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all your bands and the people that is with you. I will give you to the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beasts of the field to be desoured. Why? And you, son of man, thus says the Lord, speak to every feathered fowl, assemble yourselves and come together. Gather yourselves on every side to do my sacrifice for you, that a great sacrifice upon the mountains of Israel, that you may eat flesh and drink blood. Gog will fight in the mountains of Israel, also known as Samaria, also known as the West Bank. And for this rebellion, Gog will suffer the worst defeat that ever any Hebrew Israelite has suffered. The mountains of Israel are called mountains of Israel because they belong to the house of Israel. In the days of Joshua, long before the split in the kingdom, this territory called the mountains of Israel were Ephraimite and other northern Israelite tribal areas these this area never belonged to the tribe of Judah it didn't belong to Simeon or Benjamin either according to Wikipedia as recorded in the book of Joshua the territory allocated to the tribe of Ephraim was at the center of Canaan west of the Jordan south of the territory of Manasseh and north of the tribe of Benjamin the region later called Samaria as distinguished from Judea or Galilee consisted mostly of Ephraim's territory the area was mountainous giving it protection and also highly fertile giving it prosperity Joshua 11:21 says and at that time came Joshua and cut off the Anakims from the mountains from Hebron from Debir from Anab and from all the mountains of Judah and from the mountains of Israel Joshua destroyed them utterly with their cities 
Joshua was the leader of the tribe of Ephraim. In fact, Joshua led all the Israelites, all twelve tribes, during his lifetime. The capital area was in the mountains of Israel, which became known as Samaria, then the West Bank. The Jews have coveted Ephraim's territory for thousands of years, and now Netanyahu has made an election promise that he will annex the Ephraimite West Bank Settlement Territory if he is re-elected. Netanyahu told Channel 13 he had communicated to U.S. President Donald Trump that he would not evacuate a single Israeli from Judea and Samaria as part of a forthcoming deal of the century Mideast peace plan, which Trump is expected to release in May following Israel's April elections. Now, this last statement makes it sound like Netanyahu is standing up to Trump when, in fact, they are colluding. But Netanyahu needed to present himself as a brave and strong leader for the electorate. And I believe Netanyahu already knows what is in Trump's plan, and there is nothing in there about moving Israelis out of their settlements. So that was a moot and unnecessary statement on Netanyahu's part. Those who will be moved will be the Palestinians. At the time of this recording, the election is too close to call, but close or not, the result will only be known weeks from now when either Netanyahu or Gantz show which one is able to form the next government. Because of Israel's weird electoral process, a candidate can win the popular vote but not be able to form a government coalition. So, the truth is that it will be weeks before we know who takes Israel's helm. Now, let's talk about this peace plan a little bit. Is it going to be one, two, or three states? Well, Israel Unwired says Netanyahu's announcement is a move away from the two-state solution. This announcement is huge, moving the goalpost away from the two-state solution that never even had a chance to the actual sole solution of living peacefully with our Arab Muslim neighbors by Israel applying sovereignty in all our ancestral homeland, Judea and Samaria, where most of the biblical stories actually took place. Well, let me tell you that Yahweh will not see Trump's solution as moving away from the two-state solution, the dividing of the land, but merely as another form of it, a form that is worse than the one Obama planned for Israel, moving Abraham's physical descendants out of Israel presents Yahweh with no other option than unleashing the full force of the Great Tribulation to reestablish his own sovereignty in his own land, which his own people deny in his own land. Dividing Yahweh's land by one means or another is still to divide his land, and he won't allow it. Here is more from Israel Unwired. Under the Palestinian Authority and Hamas, non-Muslims are persecuted.
Forget about apartheid. Non-Muslims are persecuted. Don't get us started about the other Muslim countries in the Middle East, says this article. Israel is the only country with freedom and equality for all and those Arabs in Judea and Samaria who would live under Israeli control would enjoy more freedom and equality than they do under their own Palestinian authority and Hamas leadership. Oh my! Either this author has not heard what has happened to the Palestinians since the Jewish state bill took effect, or he has his head somewhere that it shouldn't be. The truth is different than this Israeli media outlet says. Anyone who is not Jewish in Israel, Palestinians, Druze, now have second-class citizenship status, as I have reported since last July. And this Fox News headline from April 3, 2019 says it all. In Israel election, Palestinians are nowhere to be found. As I reported a couple of weeks ago, the Palestinians no longer have the right to vote in Israel. They are not equal citizens in Israel. The J-Post article says, This week, Israeli citizens, including 600,000 living in areas Israeli troops occupied in 1967, will vote in a general election that will determine the next prime minister and, more importantly for us, the next army ruler, the defense minister of Israel. Yet, millions of Palestinians continue to live under Israel's military rule and cannot vote in this election. The Israeli government doesn't care about their complaints because we don't vote. That's what the Palestinians say. Now some might argue that Palestinians have their own government and elections. That is one of the biggest farces according to this J Post article. True, there is a person with the title of president, but he needs the permission of the Israeli military authorities as well if he needs to travel. The Palestinian government has no sovereignty over the little area A that Israeli soldiers left but often returned to without any notice. Elections for president and parliament, the last of which was over a decade ago, means little if Palestinian borders are controlled by Israel and if custom fees collected on behalf of Palestinians are controlled and often reduced according to the whim of the Israeli military which is directed again by the Israeli defense minister who is appointed by the very same prime minister who only Israelis can vote for Palestinians will watch the upcoming elections with anger and frustration the hopes that were inspired by the Arafat Rabin handshake on the White House line lawn rather, in 1993, have long disappeared, and the future of an independent state has gone with it. Israelis will most likely elect a leader who is tougher in his controlling policies against the four million Palestinians. And let's not forget that the Palestinians, called 
Arabs have political parties in Israel, in the Knesset, for whom their Palestinian constituency cannot vote. It is frustrating that Israeli news outlets continue to spout lies to the American and Western publics that they target. American Jews know better and almost two-thirds of them are unhappy with both Netanyahu and Trump. The Palestinian Authority, though, is preparing to change hands. Palestinian Authority Prime Minister-designate Mohammed Shatea will announce the makeup of his new government in the coming days, according to Palestinian officials on Monday. Shatea has until April 14th to form a new government that is expected to exclude all supporters of Hamas, long-time rival to the Fatah movement of both Shatea and Pal- uh, the PA President Mahmoud Abbas. Abbas on March 10th charged Shatea with forming the new government, replacing Rami Hamdallah's technocratic administration, which had the nominal backing of Hamas. I've been telling you that the U.S. will make a deal with Hamas to give them what they already have, Gaza, in the upcoming peace deal. As for Mahmoud Abbas, he is likely too old and sick to handle what he knows is coming, civil war in Israel. This war, though, will include the Palestinians' own brothers from America and other Western nations who Trump encourages to join in the peacekeeping effort while Palestinians are kicked off their land. Ezekiel tells us this that the Gog-Magog war is a war between brothers. Ezekiel 38.21 And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains. So, you know, Gog is going to be stationed in the mountains, not in the Negev desert where the U.S. permanent military base is located. No, they're going to be in the mountains, says the Lord God in verse 21. And he says, every man's sword shall be against his brother. This is another tragedy that Trump and his evangelical friends don't even know that they are in the same physical family of Jacob and will end up fighting each other. Well, there's a bit of poetic justice for you. Yahweh will turn his people's swords against each other. It's as if Yahweh is saying, You want to destroy each other? Okay, go ahead. Get at it. Kill each other. I'll throw your carcasses to the birds. And now, did you know that Trump and Netanyahu have been in talks with Hamas? Well, I've been telling you, that's what was coming. The Trump administration has been in talks with Hamas via Netanyahu, according to Haaretz. And it says, as for the Palestinians, they have no intention to renew peace talks, certainly not when the Israeli Prime Minister speaks openly about annexing parts of the West Bank. When it comes to Gaza, Netanyahu is holding talks, albeit indirect ones, with Hamas. He's, that's Netanyahu, allowing 
he's allowing in Qatari money and granting Israeli concessions in return for temporary calm. While Palestinian President Mahmoud Abbas is branded by Israel as an anti-Semite, a supporter of terrorism who wants to de- destroy Israel. Here is another article from April 2nd, 2019 on the talks between Israel and Hamas. Officially, Israel denies or rather declines to confirm reaching an agreement with Hamas last week. An agreement with Hamas, whether concluded or signed, means that Israel has recognized the group de facto and no longer views it as a terror organization. That's probably why Netanyahu has avoided convening his cabinet. However, what occurred March 30th along the Gaza border with Hamas curbing violence against Israel was obviously the result of understandings between the sides, a type of ad hoc Israel-Hamas arrangement mediated by Egypt on the way to a broader compact. On March 30th, After the mass Palestinian protest along the border went off relatively smoothly, the Israel Defense Forces issued the following statement, which was translated from Hebrew, which reads, The events of the so-called March of One Million on the Gaza Strip border have ended with less violence than expected. The organization controlling Gaza acted with restraint, which we have not seen for the past year. It is important to note that the statement referred to the organization controlling Gaza rather than the usual term of terror organization Hamas. The following morning, Israel reopened the crossings despite the five rockets fired overnight toward its border communities. On April 1st, the coordinator of government activities in the territories announced that Gaza's fishing zone was extended to 15 nautical miles, a range that Israel had not allowed since its 1993 Oslo Accord with the Palestinians. The agreement to extend the fishing zone was obviously reached vis-a-vis Hamas and not vis-a-vis the fishermen i.e. the general population. Hamas, on the other hand, has no qualms about using the word agreement as Deputy Head of the Hamas Political Department Salah al-Arori explained on March 30th. We expect agreements to be signed within a few days, he said, obviously aware of the significance of an agreement with the enemy that Hamas refuses to recognize, Arori added. This is not a peace agreement with Israel and has no connection to diplomacy. We are interested in ceasing the fighting in exchange for Israel lifting the siege. The agreement reached with Israel is just the beginning a Hamas source told Al-Monitor on condition of anonymity. Oh, they want to keep this a secret. 
Asked by Al Monitor whether the agreement, which includes a Hamas commitment to cease all armed action or violent popular activity against Israel, means it had given up jihad and was recognizing Israel's existence, the source answered, The Hamas leadership has said repeatedly, We do not recognize Israel as long as we have not been given our rights. Nonetheless, his words are clear. Agreement with Israel based on a cessation of armed activity in return for economic concessions is de facto recognition by each side of the other's existence. Hamas will probably keep dubbing Israel the Zionist enemy, but it is far from certain that Israel will be able to keep calling Hamas a terror organization. It will probably adopt the term minted in recent days by the military spokesperson, the organization controlling Gaza. Even as Israel engages in agreements and understandings with Hamas, Netanyahu treats his security cooperation partner in the West Bank as a terror organization. Netanyahu insists at every opportunity that Abbas supports terrorism and incites his people to terrorist activity. His divide-and-conquer method in regard to Gaza and the West Bank is designed to enable Israel to evade any deal with the PA which would, by its very nature, entail territorial and diplomatic concessions that Netanyahu cannot or does not want to deliver. Netanyahu finds it far simpler to reach agreement with Hamas and whitewash the sins of the group that Israel has for years referred to in disgust as the Hamas Terror Organization. The agreement with Hamas probably includes, I'm speculating here, getting that pesky Palestinian authority out of the way of both Hamas and Israel to pave Gaza's ground to be declared the Palestinian state. The plan to empty the West Bank of Palestinians can now continue. The plan to move one million Palestinians from the West Bank to Jordan this is the number given by Israel National News, Arutz Sheva, will be the cause of the Gog Magog War, but it could also pave the way for Gaza to continue as its own nation, a nation led by Hamas. The upcoming expelling of the 800,000 Palestinians will be only the beginning of Trump's and Netanyahu's plans. They will want to rid Israel of all three million Palestinians, and not later either, but sooner. The Palestinians will not go quietly into their dark night. They will put up a fight. I've been explaining for years that Gog will not make an alliance with Persia and the armies with Persia listed in Ezekiel. Instead, Persia will come into Israel at the same time as Gog is at war with his Palestinian, mostly Hebrew brethren. When Ezekiel says that the Persian enters Israel with Gog, it does not mean as allies. It means simply simultaneously. Keep watching, keep praying, 
and get out of Babylon as soon as you can.